This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I am World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. Sermon notes are subpoenaed. Christians are being forced to participate in gay marriage ceremony preparation. School children are told they can't mention Jesus. A high school football coach is fired for silently praying on an athletic field. These are just a few of the increasingly frequent incidents of hostility to religion in American society. For the past five years, First Liberty Institute has tracked these occurrences and released its findings annually in a report entitled Undeniable. First Liberty recently released its 2017 Undeniable Report. The findings are discouraging. The number of documented incidents increased by 15% from the past year and a whopping 133% since the first Undeniable Report was released in 2011. First Liberty's Justin Butterfield is my guest on today's World Lutheran News Digest. And now today's Fast Track. I'm Sarah Golseth with news in brief of interest to Lutherans worldwide. The U.S. House of Representatives on Tuesday passed a bill protecting human life. The pain-capable Unborn Child Protection Act would ban abortions at 20 weeks. It passed the House on a vote of 237 to 189, with two Republicans voting no and three Democrats voting yes. The bill amends the federal criminal code to make it a crime for any person to perform or attempt to perform an abortion if the probable post-fertilization age of the fetus is 20 weeks or more. Violators are subject to criminal penalties, including a fine, up to five years in prison, or both. The Congressional Budget Office has estimated that the bill would save more than 2,000 lives each year. Kristen Bollinger was severely injured during the Las Vegas mass shooting, but up until yesterday, her family didn't even know if she was alive. Thanks to two brave men who risked their own lives, she's still fighting. One of her rescuers died, another survived. Her father said, the doctor at the hospital told us that two young fellas covered my daughter up. The fellow on top of the pile lost his life. I don't know his name yet. He lost his life, but the other fellow survived. The U.S. Justice Department has come out in support of a Christian baker in Colorado whose religious freedoms have been violated by a state anti-discrimination law. Lawyers for the U.S. Attorney General's office have filed a friend of the court brief with the U.S. Supreme Court in support of an appeal by Jack Phillips of Masterpiece Cake Shop in suburban Denver. Phillips is appealing rulings issued by the Colorado Civil Rights Commission and a Colorado appeals court that he violated the anti-bias provisions of the state's public accommodations law. Changes made to that law in the last decade prohibit discrimination by commercial enterprises based on so-called sexual orientation and gender identity. The U.S. Supreme Court agreed to hear this case during its current term, which began Monday. The case is expected to result in a landmark ruling regarding the reach of public accommodations laws pushed by the homosexual rights movement, which are targeted at Christian business owners. Thousands of public school students will be bringing their personal copy of the scriptures to school tomorrow as part of the annual Bring Your Bible to School event. The event is sponsored each year by Focus on the Family to promote discussion of the good news on school campuses. Students are encouraged to celebrate their religious freedom by sharing God's love with their friends. 
A top Mormon leader reaffirmed the religion's opposition to same-sex marriage on Saturday during a church conference and reminded followers watching around the world that children should be raised in families led by a married man and woman, no matter what becomes the norm in a declining world. Usted está escuchando el resumen de noticias Mundo Luterano. This is World Lutheran News Digest. I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. My guest today is Mr. Justin Butterfield. He's the senior counsel and director of research and education for First Liberty Institute, and he focuses on religious liberty and matters of the First Amendment. First Liberty is the largest legal organization devoted solely to defending religious liberty in the United States. First Liberty publishes every year what they call Undeniable, which is a record, a report on the rise of religious intolerance in the United States, and it has some very disturbing findings this year with the report that was just released. Mr. Butterfield, welcome to the program. Uh, can you tell me a bit about Undeniable? How is, the pro how is the report researched, and what are its findings? Sure. Thank you for having me. So every year for the past five years, we have gone through every source we can, we can find to catalog all the incidents of religious hostility in America. We go through news reports, we go through court filings, we go through websites of organizations that litigate in this area, and we document them all, we catalog them, we, we divide them up by category, and we post them on, on our website in a document called Undeniable, or you can also get a uh, printed version from our website at firstliberty.org. And at, for every entry, we have a short paragraph explaining exactly what happened, as well as the reference to where we found the information. So you can go back and you can verify everything that we say in Undeniable. And unfortunately, as, as has been true for the past five years that I've been doing this, this year again shows a continuing increase in the number of incidents of attacks on religious liberty in America, as well as an increase in the severity of the attacks. Um, when, when I started doing this back in 2012, we, I never imagined that we would see incidents where pastors were investigated for providing pastoral counseling according to their religious beliefs. But in this issue of Undeniable, we have situ examples of exactly that happening um, in the military with military chaplains who are facing boards of inquiry for providing pastoral counseling according to their religious beliefs and the religious beliefs of their supporting denomination. Uh, we've seen churches who have had to fight just to keep their land. Uh, we have one incident where a, a couple of churches rehabilitated a community in Houston. And after they had successfully rehabilitated the community, the government tried to come in and take their land by eminent domain to sell it to a developer. Um, we, we have seen just innumerable attacks across every area and in ways that really are just unthinkable here in America. Well, I notice uh, I'm reading uh, in the preamble here in the uh, advance. It says this edition, the total number of documented incidents in this report increased by over 15% of the past year and now includes more than 1,400 religious liberty incidents. The entire increase over the five-year period is 133%. Uh, now, I do have one question. Is this actually... Does this actually reflect a true increase or simply more uh, or simply better reporting of, of uh, incidents? 
Um, well, it's hard to say. I, I do think that our reporting has gotten better, and so some of it may be from that. But there are, I do believe that th- there is an increase in the attacks on religious liberty. In areas where we have had consistently good reporting, we've still seen increasing numbers of attacks. The, the other thing is that we have seen the, the nature of the attacks increase, like the severity of them. The, the uh, types of attacks have gotten worse. And we've seen really for the first time, polling has shown that Americans are skeptical of religious liberty as a very concept. A, a large number, of protect, particularly younger people, millennials, don't even value religious liberty as an American ideal, or free speech for that matter. And so I think we're seeing that play into it as well. We've also seen the rise of organizations like the Freedom From Religion Foundation that send out over a thousand letters every year to, to school officials, to government officials, that really demand the whitewashing of all religious expression from the public sphere, something that, that the Constitution does not require or even allow, and that federal law and as well as state law often prohibit. But um, oftentimes, government officials get one of these letters from groups like the Freedom From Religion Foundation, and they think, oh, no, I have to eliminate all religious expression from my school, um, from my city council, from whatever, whatever governmental entity they're, they're in charge of. And so they actually engage in hostility to religion in an attempt to avoid a lawsuit. So, so there's increasing misinformation out there, as well as just a general um, disregard for religious liberty as a concept anymore. And I think that's all contributing to this increase in attacks. Oh, one specific incident I'd like to look into a little bit more closely is the case of Coach Kennedy, Kennedy versus the Bremerton School District. He has a football coach, a high school football coach, who has been engaging in a silent prayer after the game. He kneels, and uh, now he's lost his his job because of that. And yet now we are seeing professional athletes who are taking a kneel in protest on uh, again, during the national anthem? One is protected, apparently; the other is not. What's going on? That's right. It, it seems like it, we only recognize free speech if it's for people that we agree with, and um, I think that's that's one of the underlying trends that that is leading to the increases in the number of attacks in America. Is people who no longer respect people, other people who, who have religious views that disagree with them, with their religious views. Uh, instead, they think, well, if you're disagreeing with me, you must be the enemy or you're evil. And I think that that's exactly what we're seeing there is that, that the left has decided that one type and the other type, in the case of Coach Kennedy, he should be fired for that. Um, First Liberty Institute represents Coach Kennedy, and and uh, that that case is ongoing, so I can't can't talk too much about it right now. But but I will say that that we're hopeful that the Supreme Court will recognize some of the problems in that, and will will. Uh, restore Coach Kennedy's religious liberty rights. But yes, it's, it's very troubling when we see um, an order like the, the Ninth Circuit gave that said that if you, can, you know, if you can even see religious activity, that that is somehow violating the Establishment Clause. I mean, if you, you could expand that to if you wear a yarmulke, then that violates the Establishment Clause if you're a, sco- if you're a school official. Things that, that in America we've never believed, things that the Constitution does not require, and, and really just sets a bad horrible precedent for religious liberty in this country. Uh, we, need to, we, we need to be a society that tolerates and, and appreciates differences, 
that uh, different people bring to the table, and who and that for us to live in a pluralistic society like the United States was designed to be, where people can have differing ideas and, and they can debate the ideas so that what's true and what's false can be, can be determined through, through reasoned debate and discourse. For that to happen, we, we cannot just shut down people whose speech we disagree with. We instead need to engage it and engage in, in discourse and discussion. And that seems to be going by the wayside. Uh, it's a very disturbing uh, trend that I've seen. Uh, one, for for example, one we've got here, uh, which is another one, a case that I believe that you're following, is uh, where there have been attacks on, uh, well, like the case of Barton versus City of uh, Bald Springs, where the argument has been that city officials shouldn't be able to, uh, city officials have told a, a senior citizen center that they can't pray before their meetings. What's that about? Yes, so um, that that happened um, in a suburb of, of Dallas, and it was a a uh, community center where a group of of elderly citizens gathered, and they were told that they couldn't pray before their meals, or if they did, they wouldn't be able to get their food. Um, so a very coercive um, behavior from the government, and really the sort of thing that that. A lot of people don't even think of that, that you know, senior citizens would be told, if, if you pray, then you're not going to be able to, to eat your meals here. We're not going to provide you with food. And um, completely unconstitutional, First Liberty came alongside them and represented them, and we succeeded in defending their rights. And what was, what was fun about that case was after First Liberty successfully defended their rights, uh, some of the citizens who were, were attending that senior center, center decided that they were going to run um, for the city council there, and they voted those people out who had, had uh, uh, engaged in this hostility, and they, they uh, uh, said, we're, we're never going to let this happen here again. So that's one of the good things about doing Undeniable is that um, while we see lots of hostility to religious liberty, we... Um, also see lots of victories. You know, often people whose religious liberty rights are attacked stand up for their rights, and they win in the courts, and Balt Springs is a great example of that. And one of the things that, that um, I like to point to, one of the, one of the most egregious incidents of, of official religious hostility in America was a case at the Supreme Court uh, a few years ago called Hosanna Tabor versus EEOC. And in that case, the, the previous presidential administration actually argued that the First Amendment only protects beliefs, not actions, and that the government can set rules for who a church can select as its minister. Now, that to us seems absurd. Um, and I, I think to most people who have any understanding of American history, they would think that's un-American for the government to say churches have to only select ministers that are state-approved or following rules that the government establishes. Now, thankfully, the, the Supreme Court agreed, and they unanimously rejected that. And so that was a great victory for religious liberty in America. But there are so many cases where the decisions come out 5-4, um, where we see things like veterans' memorials that by only one vote on the Supreme Court are allowed to stand when they have some sort of religious imagery. And that's where things um, get scary, quite frankly, that, that one change in the Supreme Court could drastically influence religious liberty rights for a, a broad swath of America. Well, we just recently had a ruling involving one of our congregations, Trinity Lutheran, uh, uh, where they had 
appealed a decision where they were disqualified from a public grant that was specifically earmarked for nonprofits solely on the basis of them being a religious organization. What they were trying to do was to improve a playground on their facility that's open to the public. And the decision that came down on the Supreme Court not only ruled in their favor, but ruled seven to two in their favor. That's exactly right. In that case, Trinity Lutheran, Supreme Court said that it actually violates your free exercise rights if the government withholds some sort of publicly available benefit to you just because of your religious beliefs. And, you know, I certainly think that's in the best tradition of, of America's view of religious liberty, that, that things do not close to you just because um, the government disagrees with your religious beliefs or because you hold a religious belief. Unfortunately, we're seeing in many cases this rise of, of kind of official secularism, which is really just the establishment of a state orthodoxy of uh, non-religion, and the Constitution prohibits that just as much as it prohibits the government from saying, okay, we're Baptist or we're Catholic or we're Jewish. All of those are prohibited um, by the Constitution. So when we see cases like Trinity Lutheran where the government says, since you hold religious beliefs, since you're a religious entity, just because of your religious faith, we're going to deny this publicly available program to you. Uh, the Supreme Court did exactly the right thing in saying that is not what the Constitution says. We don't in this country withhold public funds just because of your religious beliefs. Well, now we're seeing a case uh, that I know is going, uh, that has been uh, filed in uh, federal court in Texas and may well wind up in the Supreme Court, where the Federal Emergency Management Agency denies any kind of funding for, uh, for say, a church or a, an organization where more than 50% of the building is dedicated to a worship, even though they will allow it for any other purpose. Uh, for example, a community center that uh, is used for a sewing circle or a bridge, or a bridge club would be eligible for funding. And I know that this uh, case has been taken up by one of by another organization, the Beckett uh, the Beckett Law. And but that's the same situation I think where these churches that have according to FEMA itself have played a vital role in reconstruction, rehabilitation and in the protection of its citizens during these horrible storms. And I know from our own from our own group here, the OCMS, that we have been heavily involved in reconstruction efforts. Uh, but the uh, FEMA, through its own memo, not through a federal law, but through its own regulation, says, no, we're not going to give money to churches to help them rebuild. That, that's exactly right. And First Liberty has sent a letter to FEMA asking them to, to change those regulations so that churches can um, receive reconstruction funds following these, these hurricanes and the devastation that those have caused. And you're exactly right. It's exactly the same situation as Trinity Lutheran, where there are these funds that are available for, for neut what we call neutral purposes. That is, the funds are not tied to a religious function. They are just generally available funds to the public. And the government effectively is saying, because you're religious, uh, we're not going to allow you to have these funds. That's exactly what the Supreme Court said you can't do in Trinity Lutheran, and we're hopeful that uh, FEMA will change those regulations to, to uh, be in line with what the Supreme Court said in Trinity Lutheran, and that we'll see a reversal of that decision. 
Well, it's certainly going to be an interesting court case. And as I said, I suspect that this one may, depending upon the ruling of the district court, I suspect this one's going to wind up before the Supreme Court. Now, we do have a number of very vital issues, I think, uh, going before the Supreme Court where we're going to have to make some decisions on religious liberty. For example, wedding planners, cake bakers, florists, who refuse to do something against their conscience based on their religious belief. For example, we know about uh, uh, Arlene's Flowers in Washington or Masterpiece Cake Shop in Colorado, where these people are being penalized and even being put out of business because they have refused to use special talents. That's right. There are situations where the government is is coercing them to, to engage in speech in support of something that they believe would violate their their sincerely held religious beliefs. So we've got Masterpiece um, Bake Shop coming to the Supreme Court soon. Uh, First Liberty represents Aaron and Melissa Klein up in Oregon, who are fined $135,000 for refusing to to bake a wedding cake uh, for a wedding that they felt would would violate their their religious beliefs if they were to support that wedding. So you're absolutely right. This is an area of increasing attacks, and it's an it's something that that we uh, another area where we need to respect people whose views are different than ours so um historically we would say that if somebody had a a religious conviction that they couldn't participate in something the idea that the government would coerce them shut down their business and fine them you know one hundred thirty five thousand dollars because they wanted to hold to their religious convictions, that would have been unthinkable. But unfortunately, that's what we're seeing. And so hopefully the Supreme Court will, will provide some correction to that, and we will return to, to a more sane approach where people who, who have religious convictions, are, their convictions are, are respected and tolerated and not rejected, and they're not subject to official coercion. Uh, that's what I'm hopeful well, we can certainly keep our fingers crossed on this, but there are a number of cases that are linked. This, I think, is going to be a very, very important uh, session of the Supreme Court uh, because there are so many issues coming up. And I think there's a great deal of confusion in uh, the public as to what constitutes religious freedom as opposed to freedom of worship. And there's That's a- exactly right. You know, we see, we see a lot of people when they're asked about religious freedom or free exercise who talk about freedom of worship. Freedom of worship is when you go into your, your house of worship or your home and you pray and you worship God privately, but that's not what the Constitution protects. The Constitution protects uh, free exercise of religion, and the exercise of religion is an all-encompassing being able to, to work, to act uh, in accordance with your religious beliefs. It's not limited just to the act of worship, but it's how you live your life. And uh, it, it, for over 200 years, we've been clear in this country that it's the exercise, a whole encompassing act of faith that's protected, not just when you're in your home or in your house of worship that you're protected. And that, I think, is uh, very much the uh, case. And even in the, in the house of worship, you're not necessarily protected, as you pointed out. Now, pastors have in the past been uh, have come under heavy government scrutiny. I know in the uh, city of uh, of, uh, of Austin, I believe it was, the uh, mayor there tried to subpoena. A Houston. Uh, I beg your pardon, you're correct, in Houston, where the mayor tried to uh, subpoena uh, everything from notes being used to uh, make a, to make a uh, sermon to those who heard it. That's exactly right. And um, we at First Liberty represented a, um, 
Dr. Eric Walsh, who was was had been hired by the Georgia Department of Public Health to be a public health director, and he was a lay minister on the weekends um, before being hired by Georgia, and they reviewed his sermons and decided that they were not going to hire they were going to fire him from his position at the Georgia Department of Public Health because of what he had said as a lay minister on the weekends when he was living in California. And during that litigation, they tried to subpoena all of his sermon notes as well. So we, we're seeing increasingly this, this litigation tactic of let's subpoena all of their sermons, all of their sermon notes, things that should not be within the purview of the government and should be irrelevant. Um, by all accounts, Dr. Walsh was, was an excellent and the best qualified candidate for the Department of Public Health position. But they said, well, you... You, you, we don't like what you said in church on Sunday, and so we're going to fire you because of that. And that's really unacceptable in America. The Constitution ensures that there's no religious test for public office in this country, and that's a concept that, like the view of religious liberty generally, is coming under attack. We've seen um, repeatedly senators now questioning whether people are fit for appointments because they hold to religious faith, things that we should not see. Uh, Eric Walsh, we saw, as you mentioned, in Houston when the, the mayor subpoenaed the sermons of all the churches that, that disagreed with her viewpoint, uh, just things that, that are unthinkable and 10 years ago would have been unimaginable in this country. And as you just pointed out, in the, UN, in the United States Senate, we've seen uh, Senator Bernie Sanders, Senator Dianne Feinstein, Senator Dick Durbin, who have been uh, interviewing potential po appointees to federal offices, saying that I have problems with your religion, specifically saying that, that. And as you pointed out, religious tests are explicitly prohibited by the U.S. Constitution. That's right. It, it's interesting. Um, the same people who want to eliminate all religious expression from public seem to be perfectly happy to uh, uh, try to incorporate religious tests in in uh, in a, analyzing judicial nominees, and it, it's it's backwards and it's unfortunate that that's the exact opposite of what we should have in this country. Mr. Butterfield, I want to thank you for taking time to uh, explain the situation and talk about the 2017 Undeniable Report. And, of course, it can be uh, downloaded and read on your site. In fact, I've done that myself. And, again, I want to thank you so much. You've done a wonderful public service. Thank you for having me. Again, firstliberty.org slash undeniable, and you can get it yourself. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.